the InStyle Style Icons podcast series, where we at InStyle Hair Magazine talk to inspiring figures from the national salon industry to gain insights from their storied careers and how they're working within the current challenges of the pandemic. I'm your host and editor of InStyle, Shannon Guth, and I spoke to renowned hairdresser, salon owner, educator, and brand ambassador, Peter Thompson, about his career beginnings, highlights, and advice for the industry. We hope you enjoy the interview. In our second interview, I'm so excited to bring on a brand ambassador, educator, and salon owner, Peter Thompson. Peter, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. I mean, we're so excited to have you because your career is so varied. We're definitely going to talk about a lot of those highlights. You're in Sydney as well. So a lot going on, a lot about, you know, managing salons through this time. And I feel your insights will be really important in that. Yeah, no, I agree. There's a lot of change in the world, and uh, I think it's great that you guys have come together to uh, get different point of views on all sorts of things, so I'm excited. Yeah, we're definitely going to get you know a lot of those insights, but I'd love to start in like a really positive way and talk about your career and some things that hopefully the listeners can glean from because it is such an inspiring career. So starting from the very beginning, what was it that made you want to become a hairdresser? Oh, that's such an interesting question. You know, I feel that hairdressing found me. It was one of those things as a child where, you know, my mum was the eldest of six six uh, sisters mm-hmm. and I was the first little one uh, born. And then what had happened is I was always brushing my mum's sister's hair. Like I'd be standing mm-hmm. at the age of five with a brush in my hand on the couch constantly brushing their hair. I don't know why I would do this. I sort of feel that for me, it was all about texture. It must've been the texture of the hair that I loved, but I was always around. And you can imagine being in the seventies, it was always long flowing hair. I remember seeing my, my mum's sisters thinking, you know, this is, they're just so beautiful looking and I just need to play with it. So for me, I feel like, you know, hair found me rather than me finding hair. Um, it was just a, a thing that I always, always sort of felt and got between my fingers. And back then there were wigs as well. And I remember once, I think I might have been maybe eight, I actually grabbed one of my mother's wigs and I started cutting them. Mm-hmm. And that, that didn't go down too well at all. But uh, again, it was that texture of hair. So I didn't really get into it later in life. I, I wasn't one to think okay, what am I going to do with my career? I, I think I automatically fell into hair, which was incredible. You know, I've never had to think about what I want to do in my life, and I've never looked back. It's just been incredible. Yeah, from that initial passion, how did you go from, you know, brushing your aunt's hair and, and playing with hair to making it into a career early on? Well, you know, back in the time, um, everyone wanted to do hairdressing. It was pretty much the job um, that everyone wants to do. And it was very hard to get into. So what I actually did is I just went to my local area, which was Kayama, which is south of Sydney. And I would just work for free. Like I was happy just to sweep the floor, watch and see what was happening and get a feel of what the culture and what being in the salon was all about. So for me, it was just getting my foot in the door and feeling what what it was all about. So then, obviously, I fell in love with it. There was it was still very hard for me to find an apprenticeship. So I just stuck there for a good year, 
pretty much work for free. Um, and I just wanted to learn as much as I could because I feel like, you know, in life, if you just are really passionate about something and you give something everything you can, it'll all come back in fold anyway, which it did in the future. But um, for me, it was just grabbing that experience. Once I had that experience, then it was easier for me to find an apprenticeship. So obviously, I found an apprenticeship. Um, I think I went to Canberra, which is about three hours away. I also went to Sydney, and then I ended up in Wollongong. But I ended up working for an amazing guy called Peter, and he worked for Moulton Brown in London. So he was there for a good, you know, I would say he was there for a good 20 years. So I was very lucky to have that international experience in my apprenticeship on the South Coast. So that sort of got the ball rolling for me. Yeah, I mean, it's been a career that's spanned decades since then. Do you look back at anything in particular that have been really highlights that have stood out, you know, in a career that has been probably a highlight in and of itself? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, there's so many highlights. You know, I feel like hairdressing is a journey and when you stick to it and you've been through it for so many decades, I feel like the highlights could be from the first time when you create your first total look on a client, you know, as a junior, like that was such a highlight back then. And then building up to your columns being full and then being booked out. And then from that point, it was more or less, okay, where do you go? You, you sort of conquered a a really good clientele. You want to grow, you want to be creative. So my next highlight was getting on board with the L'Oreal creative team, you know, putting my hand up for that. And then from there it went to fashion week. So Fashion Week was about 13 years. So that was another really big highlight for me. It's like being extra creative and and really connecting with other people sort of Australia-wide. Like that was quite exciting because it would help you grow and, and, and move forward in your career in the future. So from there, I went from education. So I was educating for L'Oreal nationally. So that was a big highlight for me. And then... Probably one of the biggest recently would be um, going international. So international for Dyson and also international for L'Oreal Pro. That has been an incredible journey, you know, to get to that point. Obviously, prior to COVID, you know, I was meeting the most incredible people. Um, and I think I was one of the first to be an international um, educator for L'Oreal Pro and also Dyson, um, which to me, I'm still blown away to this day. You know, I was traveling to New York. I was going to London, Turkey, Israel. Like I was doing flights maybe three, three times a month. And Mm. for me, that was just an incredible, incredible journey. I had to pinch myself to really believe that this is what was happening to me. But I feel like it's all those little highlights that create your journey. And then as you keep growing, you've got to stay self-motivated as well. And I think when you do that, that's when these opportunities come as well. So definitely the travel recently and um, definitely being an international brand ambassador for both both brands is incredible. Yeah, amazing how, you know, hairdressing can open up so many doors and education has been such a big part of that for you. So within your, obviously your passion for hair that you've spoken about, where did a passion for education really come in and, and how did you pursue that earlier on? Okay, so 
it's really interesting. You you spend so many years educating yourself. You know, you want to learn so much. And I just wanted to take everything that I could. And then you end up realizing that you've collected all these skills over the years. And then as I've seen apprentices coming through the salon, I realized how empowering education is. Like, it's just incredible how you can change someone's thought pattern, their process. You can really motivate, you know, and I love the fact that education could create that. So for me, it was all about after I was inspired, taking that inspiration and inspiring others. That's what really got me into education. And I really, I really looked at it in a different light because I didn't realize how much you're giving through education and what you can actually do for your industry. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you've helped a lot of people, which is great, as you're saying, internationally as well. In terms of your own career, you know, these are all the positives. On the other side of the coin, we'll talk about, I guess, the current situation, but even just more generally, like, what other obstacles do you feel you faced in your career and how did you overcome them? (laughs) Um, There's so many. I think, you know, when you're first trying to get into, say, Fashion Week, the fashion world, or you're trying to even get your brand out there or your name. My biggest challenge, I think, for me was being on the South Coast. So I was like the little kid, you know, the little kid, and then you'd see all these big salons in the cities. And so for me, it was all about not wanting to be in the city, but having that that desire to be just as good but still being able to be that South Coast kid. So I always found that I had to work twice as hard just to get myself out there, get my name out there. You know, even through people like like L'Oreal back in the beginning, you know, it was always trying to prove yourself. And to me, that was just being dedicated and actually giving twice as much to make sure that, you know, I had a voice. I think that was really important. So I found that challenging, but it did pay off in a great way. Um, I think the other big challenges um, I found was when you're setting up a business, I mean, I'm not really business focused. I've been in business for 25, 26 years, but my focus has always been my craft, you know, and I've always loved that creative side. So it's learning new skills and making sure that I have that balance. So even though I might not use that side of my brain as much, I feel like by getting yourself out of your comfort zones, um, it really does help and it helps you grow. So I think challenges in general, you've really got to make sure that you're pushing yourself, you know, you're getting uncomfortable because I've learned over the years, the more uncomfortable I became and the more fear I had to try something new, so much greatness came from that. I think that's really important. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that's probably quite resonant for a lot of people now in terms of how uncomfortable we all are in the current state of the world and trying to manage that. So as you go through, you know, this current predicament, being in Sydney, having a team and and your own inspiration, as you're saying, your career has changed so much and you were traveling internationally multiple times a month before this all hit. So through COVID, how are you firstly managing for yourself and then I guess managing for the people around you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that that's what we're all going through at the moment. Um, You know, it's a really interesting journey because 
In the beginning, um, when I stopped the travel, I didn't really have time to think about that because we sort of drove into just trying to keep the business afloat, keep the team happy. It was all about really focusing on how we can get through COVID because lockdown wasn't as strict. So for me, the first six months was, okay, Pete, I need to get my head into my business. I need to focus on what we can do for the community, what I can do for my team and what I can do for myself. So it was all about really focusing on the business and just making sure we made people feel safe, we made people feel good when they came in. You know, I tend to not focus too much on the negative that is happening because what people are wanting, they're wanting that positive feel. They want to feel, they want to feel great. They want to feel there's hope. So I tend to stick with those vibes when it comes to no matter what I'm doing in life. So that was probably a time where I was rushed off my feet, trying to keep everything together. And then I had, we had Christmas, Christmas break. Um, after Christmas break, we had, I think, lockdowns. I can't remember now. But I remember when I stopped, I finally stopped after my last trip to Paris. I think that was my last trip. Stopped um, six months, had Christmas, so I actually could unwind. And then everything started to hit me. Mm. So I think you need to really process you know, what has actually happened. So when I had that time alone, it was like, hang on a minute, my life's changed completely. I'm not traveling for a while. I've worked so hard to get where where I have in my career internationally. Then I also realized there's so many more people out there that are worse off. So I had to look at this in a positive light, but still I was looking at it in a positive light. I was feeling, I sort of felt really like, something was stolen from me and I didn't want that feeling, Mm. but it was almost like, it was almost like, you know, where do I go from here? I've worked so hard. So I got really quite low and, you know, I wasn't getting out of bed. I wasn't exercising. I was eating rubbish. And then, you know, you get to a point where you go, what have I done? I'm just not feeling good about myself. And then I had to look at, okay, I need to fix myself before I fix others. So the thing that I did was I got into a little bit of education again. I looked globally. I was looking at YouTube. I was just trying to fulfill, you know, something new that I hadn't seen before. And then I started looking at um, watching documentaries. So documentaries on other people that have been through hard times that have moved forward. So for me, that was really quite inspiring. So then I was trying to tone that in with, with, you know, what I do and what I love. So from then on, after I sort of got back up on my feet, I was starting to feel more positive again, doing great things, going for walks, eating right, getting back into life. Then I started to connect with everyone. So people that you have had connections with for years, you know, maybe in America and Paris, I made sure that I would stay connected. I think it's really important that we reach out to one another in times like this and you share your feelings and you stay positive. Also, when it comes to Instagram, I was making more of an effort of commenting rather than just showing the love heart, you know, really connecting. And I think that really helps you get through these times because we can get so caught up in, you know, what's going on that we forget about ourselves and then we forget about others that we know that we need to reach out to. So that was a great help. And Mm -hmm. then from then it was just, you know, being really positive, back on track again. Um, 
at the moment with the eight-week lockdown, I've totally turned around. I've been exercising every day, um, reaching out to my team, uh, reaching out to pretty much everyone over the globe that I know, and just connecting and staying focused. I think it's really important that we do that, especially when we're getting down on ourselves a little. We've got to look at the positives and we've got to look at things that can pick our souls up, which um, it's a very interesting journey. I must say. Yeah. I mean, they say you can't pour from an empty cup. And I think with lockdown, it can really kind of suck you into the lockdown black hole where you aren't putting in a lot because it's hard because it is mentally draining and you have to push yourself to be productive, to be connecting, to be getting out there, getting dressed, doing exercise. You know, I I know that you can get sucked into not doing that and then it, you know, gets worse and worse. So I definitely think you have to focus on yourself in that way and really push yourself to get yourself to that place. And once you've done that, you know, you talk about reaching out to your team. Do you have advice for other salon owners or team managers in what you've been doing to kind of rally around them in this time of extended salon closures? Yeah, you know, that's great. In the beginning, it was really interesting because we were all so busy. So for me, I wanted to just leave them. I reached out to them and said, look, L'Oreal have been an incredible support to us. They've had so much on digital digital tea. And that, that's, that's been great because um, they've allowed us to re-educate ourselves, go back to basics. Um, they've had great speakers. So I've allowed my team to understand to look out for that. But I didn't really want to push them in a way where they've probably got a lot to deal with. I think we've all got a lot to deal with in the beginning to understand what was going, what was happening, So I tend to let them have that rest for two to three weeks. And then after that, I would reach out to them individually. Because sometimes in teams, I find, you know, people don't really speak up or some people speak over others. So I find it really important just to reach out to one-on-one and find out what the individual team member wants. Um, If they're feeling like they want to learn a new haircut or a new balayage or they're they're wanting to learn more about business or clientele, how to create a better service. You know, we have all these avenues that we can push them individually. And then I tend to let them sit a little for a couple of weeks and then I reach back out again because I don't want to be bombarded. There's nothing worse than pushing a team that are dealing with other things that they might not want to share with you and they're actually on the call, you're doing education, but they're not mentally there and focused. So I think reaching out individual is really, really important for me to find out what their needs really are. Yeah, it's really about assessing those needs, I think, for the whole team, you know, for what your team needs and then individually as well, because there they probably isn't, you know, there's definitely not like a one, one approach that, that fits everyone. It really needs to be about knowing your team, knowing the individual personalities and what they need and finding out more about that. So I think that that's really good advice basically to other salon owners to say, you know, there is no one size approach to this, like know your team and, and do what works for them. So I think that surely that is the, the way to go for anyone listening. Um, and then in terms of your own career, as you said, you work so hard to get to being like a Dyson ambassador, traveling around the world, having these experiences. And now, you know, there's a little bit of a pause on that through what's going on in the world, but a brand like Dyson is still innovating through this. We talked about on the podcast, like the flyaway attachment that's recently come out. So they're still trying to inspire, elevate that creativity. So where do you find space for that within all of this to continue to kind of sit with that innovation and that inspiration for something like that without it having to be part of like the travel and, you know, more hands-on education around the world? 
Yeah, that's that's great because what I'm finding is Dyson definitely keep me on my feet, which is brilliant. Like I have uh, done a few lives for them internationally and with the the new attachment coming out, that was quite exciting. You know, that's what keeps me going, you know, because you're looking at something new and they're very innovative when it comes to creating something that's not on the market. And this is what I love about Dyson because what they do is they look at what it's a problem in hair for the consumer in our industry. And they're creating all these amazing things that really get you thinking. And the thing that I love about Dyson too, especially like the new flyaway attachment that you were talking about, Mm -hmm. you know, this is just incredible. I love the fact that one of our biggest problems in our industry is flyaways. So when I actually had seen this attachment, I was like, oh my God, this is just incredible. And the thing that I love about when Dyson bring anything out, they go through the engineers. Now, this is what I find really quite exciting. When they've gone through engineers that have created these amazing things, they tend to work with us as hairstylists. And I find that so educational because not only am I learning about what heat does to hair and in more in a, an intense way, I'm learning how airflow pushes and creates and what it can actually do, especially when it comes to intelligent heat control. Like my lessons on hair and hair structure and what heat does has just been so incredible when it comes to Dyson. Like that's what excites me because they're always looking at something that is new, something that works and something that works for the consumer as well. And and the most important thing is when they're bringing something out, they're looking at the health of the hair. And I just find that incredible that here, here are these guys that have brought out a blow dryer that has not changed since the 1960s. Like for me alone, that was, you know, that was lights on for me straight away. I remember seeing the first supersonic thinking to myself, what is this? This is insane. I cannot wait to get my hands on one of these supersonics, not knowing that I'd end up representing this brand company globally. Like I was just so excited to see something new. And then when I actually started to speak to the engineers, you know, it was just so much more of an insight on what that tool does. Because I think we tend to, even as a consumer, you will purchase a tool not really knowing the ins and outs of it. So for me, I just I just find that fascinating. And um, I'm really excited about the future. And, you know, I think that there's a lot more coming. It's going to be incredible, incredible journey. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting what you're saying about kind of consumers purchasing things without really understanding it. Like you you can learn a lot about Dyson because you know a lot about, you know, the history of heat technology because you are a hairdresser who's kind of seen it all. How do you pass that education on to your staff even and even the consumer in terms of like how different this is and how important it is to the quality of hair? Yeah, that's that's great because I feel as an industry, we can lack from that side of things where I've always been one to educate the client. I think when you're educating the client, the guest, um, you know, it's really important that they have that understanding. And once they have that understanding, 
they're more confident with whatever they're using. So I find with Dyson, um, I'm becoming definitely more aware on what sort of education the consumer and the team need, like my team at work. And it's really important, I think, that if we're educating others um, to really understand the tool, it makes our job a lot easier as well. And it makes their job a lot easier, especially when they're using the tool, when they go home and use the tool. So for me, I find Dyson Education generally, even on their digital platform, I did a live recently. And even though I was talking about trends, I wanted to make sure within those trends that, you know, that people understood why I was creating that look, how I created that look, and working with the engineers, talking to them about, okay, so why did you develop these flexible plates? Now, I understand why they um, did the flexible plates because when you're creating beautiful movement, beautiful S-waves, you know, you're not getting those really hard bends in there. Everything's looking soft and flowy. And then it's all about the intelligent heat control, you know, because I didn't really understand that hair dryers would get hotter and hotter and hotter. But now I understand that through education, you know, the intelligent heat control, it's keeping it at a one level temperature. It's controlling that, which is really, really cool. So I think Dyson in general are educating the consumer. I think they're educating their artists, which is even more important because then that gets passed through. Um, So I just love the fact how we definitely have that connection with these great engineers that are creating incredible tools and why they're creating them. That's, That's really exciting for me, the why factor. But I suppose... To answer the question quickly, it would be just making sure if you're educated, you're passing that education on to others, that knowledge. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you've done a lot through education and obviously had a career that has, you know, seen so much. And now this is like a pivotal time as well. So what advice do you have, you know, for other hairdressers who might be listening, hopefully are listening, you know, working in the salon, trying to get into possibly education or some of the session stuff that you've done? I mean, I think there's a lot of good advice throughout this podcast in terms of being uncomfortable, staying positive and really giving of yourself in your career. And that just comes out through what you've said. But when you think about even the younger generation or or just a generation of salon owners as well and people in these different various facets of the industry, what are your main points of advice at this time and and even more generally? You know, I think at this time it's all about reaching out to people you inspire to if you're a salon owner and you have other salon owners that are doing great. I mean, I have a friend in Perth and her business is just insane. I've really never had much time to speak to her. So I reached out and said, could we have an hour together? I'd love to ask you questions so I could build my business Mm -hmm. a little bit more. Now I have this time. So really reach out to others. I think that's important. And if you're young and you're just starting a career, look, I I love the youth. I think the youth for me are very motivating. I mean, they're the ones that brought in Instagram. They're the ones that are bringing in digital. They have a different mindset. So I think it's really important that you keep your mindset open to all generations because we can learn from everyone. So I'm a little old school. I'm a little young school, you know, and I think that's what keeps us diverse and interested. So I'm very positive towards um, apprentices, young ones coming through because they do get a little bit of a hard time. I think sometimes we tend to judge, but 
being older school, I need to adapt as well. I need to change my way of thinking when it comes to the youth. Now, when you change that, you sort of bring them in a little more. I have one girl who she's just so motivated and she's so keen and they want to learn a lot quicker. And I understand that because of digital. So for me, I have to adapt the way that I train. I have to adapt. You know, I have to be a little bit quicker. They want to learn more, but I want to make sure they've got the good fundamentals as well. But things are a little bit faster, I think, these days, and we've got to make sure we keep that in mind. So if you're wanting to get started, be creative, the first thing I would say, get your foundations right. You know, really make sure you learn everything from proper blow waving, color skills, cutting skills, whatever they may be. Learn the basics, and again, if it gets a little bit boring or a little bit uncomfortable, get through that because it will pay off. Now, after you've, you've done, say, your skill training, then you're building your clientele. So you want to focus on your clientele. You want to focus building a name for yourself. And then from then, reach out to your salon owners um, and then see how you can grow because a lot of companies out there are doing some incredible things like Dyson and L'Oreal. So with that too, you know, there's opportunities of being a part of Fashion Week when things reopen. Um, going along to support, say, an artist. There's always artists that are looking for young ones to help when it comes to education. Like I might be in Perth. I could be looking for someone to assist me, maybe two. So if you reach out and you push yourself out there, that creates more knowledge for yourself. Now, once you've got that knowledge, it can't be taken away. So I think it's important that you really look at where you want to head. And again, like I said before, push yourself out of your comfort zone and grow. Now, from that, you want to sort of, as an owner, a salon owner, even as a company, people are looking for the next new thing. And the next new thing has to have a good energy. It has to be skillful. You have to make sure that you're knowledgeable and that you're very you're very friendly towards community. I think that's an important thing as well because when I was younger, I used to have a little bit of a, a chip on my shoulder and, you know, I would think that, you know, the world was mine. You know, you would just be out there to conquer and no one else could get in your road. But I think the older you become, you become a little bit more humble. And I would say the younger generation are definitely, there's a lot of guys out there that are more humble that just keep moving and growing. So stay humble, that's a big lesson, and grow and work with as many people as you can because it just grows your network. And if people keep seeing you consistently, if you're consistent as well with what you're doing, even brands with your digital, whatever you're doing, they will start to take note. So no matter what you do, it's still going to be a lot of energy, a lot of work, but you just got to keep going at it. And I think... Eventually, if it's something you're really wanting, your path will lead in the right way, 100%. You'll come across the right people. I love this idea of the reciprocity of education. As you're saying, education is a really universal thing, how we're constantly like learning from each other and really never stopping in that. Even you in your career and you've achieved so much and still looking to learn from others and, and really expand your mind in that way. So I think that's a really great takeaway that anyone listening to the podcast can take no matter where they're at in their career. So thank you so much, Peter, for coming on the podcast. I hope, and I'm sure people found this really helpful learning from your extremely esteemed career. And thank you so much for taking time out of your day to talk to us.
Uh, it was great. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's early morning. I think I've just woken up. I get a little bit of a sleep in now. We have COVID. So, um, <laughs> but look, thank you so much. Uh, it was really enjoyable to sort of go back in my journey and share that. So I really hope it um, helps uh, a few people out there. That would be great. No, I'm sure it will. I mean, there's a lot to look up to in your career and there's a lot, as you're saying, you're always learning. And if you are, then they absolutely should be. So I hope everyone takes from that, reaches out to some people, connects a little bit more, has a little bit of positivity, as you're saying, and really goes through this next phase of their career with those lessons in mind. So thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you once again for listening. We appreciate your support of the podcast and hope you got some key takeaways from Peter's incredible career. Remember, you can subscribe to the Style Icons bi-weekly newsletter and follow us at InStyleHairMag on Instagram and at InStyleStyleIcons on Facebook so that you never miss any content, news, and podcasts about the salon industry in the future. Until then, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>